Good morning. Welcome to worship. We are glad that you are here with us today. If you're our guest with us, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and welcome to those watching online as well. Well, it's uh, summer because we are starting a new sermon series. That's what determines summer in Fargo, North Dakota. Just kidding. Uh, we are excited, though, about this sermon series called The Master Gardener, and, and the purpose of this series was to think about God's creation and, and look at all the parables and teachings that are in Scripture that Jesus talked about that were agriculturally based. Jesus grew up in a community where people understood farming. Uh, they understood the world around them and, and the plants that grow and the birds of the air and all of those things, and, and so do we. And so we thought it'd be an awesome uh, exploration of the Gospels to think about those texts that have to do with gardening, that have to do with God's creation, where Jesus is illustrating truths about our lives. And we're going to begin with this parable today called the parable of the sower. The interesting thing about the parable of the sower is that this is one of the only parables that Jesus actually goes on and gives a very clear explanation of what it means. A very clear explanation of what it means. If you were to open up uh, scripture and read through that, uh, you would see that he, he starts with the first part and then I left out some parts in the middle for the sake of shortening up the reading where he talks about why he speaks in parables. But then he gives his disciples very clear instructions about what this parable means. He says that, that, that there is this farmer that is scattering seed, and the seed is the word of God, and the seed falls on four different soil conditions. What do we need to have a master garden? Any master gardeners here or gardeners here? Any people? Okay. Only, only a couple gardeners. Uh, I grew up in, in uh, northern Minnesota. I think my mom, we had like a three-acre vegetable garden um, and we had to learn to garden. Uh, I think it was so that we stayed out of trouble. I'm not sure. I like to buy my vegetables at the grocery store now, so I don't have that same desire as well, but I do have a great appreciation of what it takes uh, to garden and garden well. It is an amazing thing. But one of the things we know is that the basis of that is the dirt. The basis of that is the soil where we plant that seed. And Jesus says there's four scenarios where that seed is planted, uh, three that aren't, aren't great, and, and one that is ideal. So I just want to walk through that text and think about what that means in our lives. So he says in verse 19, this is where he gets to the explanation part. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is a seed sown along the path. So Jesus says this farmer is sowing the seeds of the gospel, the good news, and some of it falls along a path. And the seed that falls along the path is susceptible to the birds of the air who come and snatch it away. So what is this driving at? One of the things I believe this text is, is teaching us is that it's important for us to understand that the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ offers us powerful protection in this world. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, offers us powerful protection in 
this world. If we hear his word, but we don't understand it, it's irrelevant to our lives, then, then we are susceptible, we are susceptible to the influences of evil, the temptations of this world, and the dangers that can come from that. And, and that's simply true. Uh, there's a new study out called, uh, from something called the Center for Biblical Engagement, and it's a group that did this massive study of Americans, and uh, they, they just called random households, and they asked questions about Bible engagement, Bible reading. One of the things that's true about Americans is we own a lot of Bibles. I think it's like two and a half Bibles per household uh, in, in America. Number one most best-selling book in the world, but we read it very infrequently. I'm not saying that's you, but that is true of the general population. So we have a lot of Bibles, but we read it extremely infrequently. So the Center for Bible Engagement, they're, they're asking this question, how do we help people increase the frequency in which they read? And, they, and so they did this survey, and they asked questions about behavior, mental health, uh, those types of things, things that we would hope would improve in culture, things like uh, feeling joy in life, feeling more peace in life, those types of things. And they correlate it with how frequently people read Scripture or if they read Scripture or not. And what they found, interestingly enough, is that if you read Scripture just infrequently, maybe once in a while, that there is no difference in terms of people's perspectives or, 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 or how they fall into temptations or how they feel than the general population, than people who are non-Christian. So if you read the Bible maybe just once a week or you hear it once a week, uh, that there's real no difference, no, really no difference. But there's a tipping point. For people who, who articulated that they read Scripture four or more times a week, read and studied and prayed over Scripture four or more times a week, there was a remarkable statistical difference in some of their things that they were failing in life. Feeling lonely, if you read scripture four more times a week, feeling lonely drops by 30%. Anger issues drop by 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops by 40%. Get this, alcoholism drops by 57%. 57% people who, who read scripture daily. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. They looked at some moral behaviors. They looked at how people view things on the internet and looking at inappropriate things on the internet. If you are in the word daily, the, the odds of you viewing something inappropriate on the internet went dramatically down. It was only at 61% decline in the chance of that. Sharing one's faith went up 200%. And discipling others jumped up to 230%. So what does that tell us? What well, tells us what Jesus is saying is true? It, it, is that if, if, if the word is, is given to us, right? If, if God is sharing his word, he's sowing that seed of the gospel with us, and we ignore it, and we don't read it, and we don't let it root in our life, it falls on rocky soil. Then we're rocky soil. We're that path that's hardened and impenetrable. The temptations of this world, the deceit of the evil one, are going to take over. But if God's word roots deeply in our lives, then there's great protection. There's great protection. Jesus continues. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground 
refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the seed that falls on rocky ground, the seed is unable to penetrate deep because of the rocks, and their faith is a shallow one. This spring, I was listening to a, uh, a guy on the radio, our local, one of our local radio stations, who's a grass expert in Fargo, North Dakota. I don't know if that was a thing. But I, I, I have neighbors who keep their lawns, like, perfect. Maybe you're one of those people, I, you know, just perfect, weedless, and, you know, perfect. And, and sometimes my lawn, I think, maybe devalues the neighborhood a little bit. I don't know. So I try. I'm trying really hard to learn about how to keep grass nice and green and make sure that there's no spots in it and, and all those types of things. And, and one of the things that this person was talking about is that if you cut your lawn too short, especially initially, it's not good. And, and the reason is, is because the grass, if it's too short, uh, correspondingly, its roots won't grow deep enough. And there the, ra- the, the, the grass is more susceptible to drought. The, the grass is more susceptible to, to burn up uh, and all the things that could happen to grass. Certainly not an expert, as you can tell. Isn't that true about anything? We know a tree is healthy when its roots grow deep. And if there's something stopping that, if there's rocks, if, this, if the ground is impenetrable, it's, it's not good for the plant. Jesus says, as, as so is someone who, who hears the word of God and they're like, yes, that's awesome, but then there's no application. There's no study that drives them deeper. In other words, they have shallow roots. When they have shallow roots, when persecution comes, meaning when they're tested for their faith, when someone asks them to say why they believe or stand up for why they believe what they believe, or when a trouble or hardship comes, they fall away because they're not rooted and established in God's word. They don't know the truths that God gives us. And certainly, I believe that we all have seen that as true, is that sometimes those struggles of life, those tragedies of life can really test our faith. When we experience loss, when we experience pain, when we experience difficulty, it can either be a place that drives us far away from God or deep into understanding who God is and his love for us. And I think Jesus, what he's saying is just absolutely true, that that the difference is often our understanding and receiving of his word and the truth of it. Of understanding who Jesus is and what God's will is for in our lives. When we have an improper understanding of that or a shallow understanding of that, that can lead us to deep, lead us away from God, where we are blown away by the wind. One of the questions that I would have for us as a church is how deep are our roots? How deep are our roots? Years ago, uh, as pastors, Pastor Chuck, he was always asking this question, well, why? Why is hope hope? Why are we blessed? Why, why, why? It drove us nuts, quite honestly. It didn't stop for like a year. And so we started asking. I remember it was Pastor Stephanie and I, Tolson. We started asking, you know, why? We'd ask people, why, 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 why? 
And I remember one of the, the saints of our church who is no longer with us, one of the founding members, said this, because at the core of Hope Lutheran Church, for all of our outreach, has always been people who are completely committed to the gospel, who are sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, she was articulating this very true spiritual truth, is that in order for us to reach out with the love of God in the way that we have and continue to do, our roots also at the same time need to be really deep. Right? Because there's a danger, if we bear a lot of fruit in the world, but our roots are shallow, if a storm comes, persecution, hardship comes, there's gonna be problems, that tree's gonna blow over. But if we focus on outreach, and at the same time focus on how do we invite each other and encourage each other to root deep in the word of God, through Bible study, through small groups, through worship together, through, through daily prayer and, and reading of scripture, whatever it may be, through our adult discipleship ministries. If you want to know about that, Ben Jacobson, he's the pastor that oversees all that. He's right here. He'll help you today. In those ways, we root deep. See, if our roots aren't deep, our roots aren't healthy. You know, we've been seeing a lot of, of senseless violence in our culture today. Horrible things break my heart. Absolutely break our hearts. And a lot of us wonder why. How can this happen? What, what's changed? What's going on? And, and unfortunately, if you're on social media, what you see is a lot of politics and finger pointing, which is very human, quite honestly. Because Adam and Eve, after they ate the apple and they hid from God, what was the first thing they did when God con confronted them? They blamed each other. They pointed a finger. That woman you gave me, she made me do it. Come on, Adam, own up to your own responsibility. But I think if we truly looked deeper, we'll recognize that, yeah, we need to engage this world and find real solutions to real problems. But ultimately, at the core of this, we've got a root problem. As a nation, we have a soul. And if our roots are shallow, if our roots are unhealthy, if they're, if they're blighted, then evil is going to come in and cause a lot of disaster. And so the place we start is with our own lives and the lives of the people we influence, and we root deep in the love of Jesus Christ and the word of God. As that calls us out into the world to love others, and make this world a more loving place. So we pray and we do that. We have to fight against being shallow roots. Jesus continues, verse 22, he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Do you know why you pick weeds? To torture your children. You make them do it so that they, no, no, you don't. That's why it was in my household. But uh, the reason you pick weeds is because if you allow the weeds to grow up with the flower or grow up with the plant, the weeds rob the plant of the nutrients and the energy and the good stuff that it should, should have, right? And so it's not going to produce as much fruit. It's not going to grow to its fullest potential sometimes because the weeds are also competing for the same resources that healthy plant is trying to get. 
Now, whether or not some people see weeds as a, as a plant or not, I'm not gonna get into that argument today, okay? What Jesus is saying is if their seed is planted with weedy soil, it's no good. But what does he say the weeds are? He gets very specific. He says the weeds are the anxieties of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Isn't that true? I mean, if, if you ask the number one reason why most people don't pick that, those two and a half Bibles, I don't know what a half Bible looks like, uh, but those two and a half Bibles off their shelf and read it, they'd probably say, oh, because I'm so busy. That's the excuse at least, right? I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm just focused on this. I don't have the energy. I don't have the focus. Da, 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 da. The worries of this world, the anxieties and cares of this world certainly can draw us away from God. The irony of it is that one of the greatest things we can do to face head on the worries of this world is to be rooted in establishing God's word. And hear things like what Jesus says, come to me who all, all who are weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest. Cast all your cares upon me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right, those, those types of things, we need to run to Jesus with our anxiety and worries, not use them as an excuse. But then he says the deceitfulness of wealth. I think one of the greatest examples of that and it's true for us today is in the Old Testament with King Solomon. King Solomon, remember, he was this young king, he prayed son of David, that, that God would make him wise so that he could lead his people. And God loved that prayer, loved his servant heart, all those things. But, but Solomon, that he became the wisest guy around. People would come from, from everywhere. But in his wisdom, he made some big mistakes. Even though he knew better, he made some big mistakes. And one of those mistakes that he read is, is he, he had a lot of wives and a lot of concubines. And the Bible never approves of that. It's not a, it's not a, a model, but he, he did that. And in his older age, he allowed the gods of his wives to influence his heart away from his own God. Right? In his, his old age, because of his wealth, because of his success, because of his status and privilege, he allowed his heart to be swayed by other things than the truth of God's word, that I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other God before me. And the result of that was a lot of destruction, a lot of pain. He had a son that, that tried to kill him, right? Uh, some of his wives, they, they worshiped a God, uh, and, and Solomon this, that required child sacrifice. So Solomon would have fallen into that evil practice. And I think that's how we get, get sometimes, not that we practice child sacrifice, but, but we may know God, but our hearts, our loyalties, our desires, you could call it, oh man, they can be so easily swayed by the pleasures of this world. I love you, God, but man, I really love my lake cabin. I love you, God, but whew, I love my car, my truck. I love you, God, but I really want that vacation, that trip. I'm not saying that those things are bad or good in and of themselves. They simply are. But if they take over our heart, if they become first in our lives, if they're what we're spending all of our time and energy worrying about, consumed with, and think that our hope is in them and our joy is in them, then we've got a problem. We're growing up with the weeds, and they will keep us from being in God's word. And then finally, Jesus says this, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was 
sown. Jesus says, hear the word and understand it. Read the word and understand it. Well, to understand something, we need to think about it. We need to pray about it. We need to wrestle with it. We need to engage it. That's where it helps to study it with someone. Get involved in a Bible study. Uh, Get involved in a small group. Uh, We have those opportunities here at Hope. Read the word and understand it. And listen to what Jesus says. You'll produce a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. You know, so often, I think we hear the, this sermon. You hear it once in a while, right? You gotta read your Bible more. Read your Bible more. Read your Bible more. And it's very easy for us to hear that in a very legalistic sort of way. That this is something you must do in order for God to love you. And I want to be absolutely clear today. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is salvation in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23. No matter if you open up your Bible or not, it doesn't change how God feels about you. It doesn't change his love for you. But I want you to change your perspective. That this, reading this, engaging in this, is not something you have to do, like exercise or eating right or you know, many of the other things or avoiding whatever temptations you have in life in a legalistic sort of way. Jesus says, I am the word of eternal life. These are the words of eternal life. Whoever reads my word and understands it, they're like a seed that produces a hundredfold crop. So God's word for us today is simply the greatest treasure and gift that we have as his followers to produce tremendous fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. This is pure gift. And so I don't want you to hear it today while Pastor Paul guilted me into reading my Bible more. So I'm going to read it so God loves me more. No, this is a gift to you so that Jesus says you can have the life that is truly life so that you can live life abundantly, so that you can live life in tune with the will of God and with his Holy Spirit. And and yes, Reading it requires work, and you're going to have questions, and you're going to wonder about things, and it's not always going to make sense all the time. But together, this is our gift. This is the seed that is sown, the word of God, Jesus Christ, that brings us closer to him and the abundant life that he calls us to be. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your grace, love, and mercy in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord that as we look at your word, that you would guide us in your truth. In Jesus' holy name, amen.